0: Play, I have to assume I have mm-hmm. to assume that the writers are fully aware of what they're doing with O'Brien and Bashir at this point and that this is some kind of joke that they're, they're playing on the audience you mean you mean that this is the cold open that launched a
1: thousand slash fictions <laughs>
0: This one this one in particular with with uh, Kira has a line. She's like, I don't think he likes to hang out with girls like me or something like that. <laughs> there's, there's definitely something going on. It's, it's a really strange. This one felt really on the nose with what they were doing. And I know that um, Robert Hewitt-Wolf, who is a writer on the show, always does uh, like ask me things on Twitter. And he's answered mm-hmm. a couple of my questions. I think I have to ask him about the intro to this one because... He also wrote this episode, as we're going to be talking yeah. about. So he he would certainly know. But anyway. Get him on the show, man. I know. We, we should we should see what he's doing. He's, he's busy what? actually writing for TV. What – is it possible – to do
1: like what what do you have to do what level do you have to clear to get these people to actually be on your show cuz i'm always surprised when like a show that i've never heard of is like yeah we have interviews with all the writers from the shows and stuff it's No
0: like, i was i was i was looking at a Star Trek podcast and they have discovery actors on it i was like wow this must be a like a pretty big show with a lot of reach they don't have impressive downloads it's i was looking at the download numbers mm. and it's like this is not it was just strange to me. Like, I guess I always expect that, like, actors and stuff are too busy to do things like that unless they have some sort of, like, pre-arranged contract or, like, that, you know, they're doing it for some other reason. But who knows? Maybe people just have a lot of free time and I'm unaware. But anyway, hm. Let's, um... Before we get to the credits, I think I'll use this opportunity to thank new patrons as they come in. So I want to thank – we've had a few uh, – big uptick of patrons recently. So I want to say thank you to everybody, not just the captains, but Mad Courier, uh, Abid Hussein, Eric McGowan, Tom Howes and, uh, increased his pledge, David Dean. And I think there's a couple more, but that's as far back as Patreon lets me go. But thank you, everybody, for signing up. And I'll do this as uh, we move forward. I'll just mention your names briefly at the start and say thank you. So let's get on with the show. Accessing library
1: computer data. Out there,
0: there are no saints, just people. All right, everybody, so Field of Fire is the name of the episode. It is the 13th episode of the seventh season, aired on February 10th, 1999, written by Robert Hewitt-Wolf, who has come back to the show. We left after the fifth season, but now he's back for this episode anyway. Directed by Tony Dow, who has never directed a DS9 before and never does again after this. In this episode, after several crew members are murdered, Esri summons the memories and personality of Joran Dax to help her find the murderer. It's Star Trek's take on Silence of the Lambs. Clay, what did you think of Field of Fire?
1: TV rule number one. Never be a side character who overachieves, and never congratulate a side character who has overachieved, <laughs> because that guy will be dead Within five
0: minutes, and also the uh, I like that the show embarrassed him by having him get shitty drunk and embarrass himself in front of Ezri before he's murdered. The, mm, <laughs> <the> yes, next, <laughs> this
1: is one of the most ridiculous episodes of TV I think I've ever
0: seen. This this one's this is a pretty <laughs> nutty episode, but I, I think that it's, it's really weird. It has it has a lot of really good, interesting stuff in it, and it also has a lot of terrible stuff in it at the same time. It's it's really fascinating, and. Robert Hewitt Wolf wrote it. He came back. This was another episode that was impacted by how bad the production of Prodigal Daughter was so that while they were writing the episodes <laughs> that came after it, they had to hire out outside because all the writers were taken up doing other things, trying to fix Prodigal, trying to write Chimera, which comes after this, and then trying to write the, uh, the mirror universe episode that we just saw. So they reached out to Wolf and he wrote this one. He hadn't been on the show for a season and a half. And, um, in a lot of ways, I feel like there's a little bit of like rustiness to this script that makes it seem like he's not quite in the swing of how to write a Star Trek thing. First and foremost, um, let's get this out of the way. The reveal of how they figure out the what this this Vulcan is latching onto to kill people is absurd. It's the most it's the dumbest thing I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> <laughs> the pictures. There are pictures of smiling people in their house, and so he saw that, and then he wants to murder them. But what, what a terrible reach that is! <laughs>
1: Every everything about this murder mystery is absolutely ridiculous. Whether it's how they figured out that, that that judging by the fact that they had smiling people in pictures, oh, it must be a Vulcan who hates happiness so much <laughs> that he murders people. <laughs> and that's after. That's after. Chief O'Brien backs his way into realizing that there's a gun that can shoot teleporting bullets.
0: <laughs> well, he, the, the reach the reach for O'Brien is that Bashir is like Bashir is talking about a story where Davy Crockett ricochets a bullet, and Bashir's like, yeah. "Oh my god, I figured it out!" And then he's like, the next scene, he's like, "Yeah, I, I attached a transporter to the gun." Like yeah, I, 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 I took mean, that leap of faith, and it works. Yeah. I guess
1: not only is it a huge leap of like logic, it's I feel like that opens up a whole new door of weaponry and uh, and war making devices that they have that they probably never d- uh, touch on again this idea that you can actually fire a teleported missile yeah yeah that's it's insane this I mean it's in not, novels, it's not insane guess. it's not insane that like, oh, I, I don't believe that it could happen sure it can happen but I mean why would you introduce that <laughs>
0: <laughs> I was able to fire a bullet into that melon while standing outside in the corridor you fired through the wall? I don't see any bullet holes. I attached a microtransporter to this TR-116. When I fired, the bullet was beamed into the room a few centimeters away from the melon. Where it continued its trajectory. So if the killer had a similar transporter device, that would explain the lack of powder burns on the victims. And by using an exographic targeting sensor, he was able to scan through the bulkheads. So he could have been firing from anywhere on the station. Did you ever play, um... Perfect dark for the sixty four. Uh, only very briefly.
1: I know people really liked it.
0: It has a uh, it has a gun that's called the Farsight, which is very similar to this. When you look through the scope, you can see through walls and you see people running around, and you can shoot mm. through the walls and stuff like that. This yeah, is, that was the gun from uh, Eraser, isn't wasn't it? Uh, the is it a Schwarzenegger Schwarzenegger well, the Schwarzenegger movie? That's true. Yeah, that one just fired like super high powered. Blasts, right? That would shoot through things. I think that's what that yeah. movie did. Yeah, yeah. Could, yeah. could they actually see through walls in that movie too? Or was it... I
1: believe so. I think they're. Uh, I think the scope on the gun could see through walls and
0: X-ray shit. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. It's um. They don't. They don't deal with it again. The no- there are novels, I guess, that deal with this gu- uh, gun. I was reminded of you know I did that review for a Star Trek novel a while back, and then I gave up on that because they all suck. Basically, all mm-hmm. Star Trek novels. But the mm-hmm. one that I read had ds9 be invaded by these aliens that used real projectile bullets and like no one was able to handle it like it was like a unforeseen thing and so people were getting murdered in the book by these bullets and yeah you know it's it seems like it's a pretty interesting idea i actually for all the leaps of faith of this episode i like the murder mystery aspect of it because it's funny, we were talking in the last episode about I was lamenting the fact that I don't feel the ensemble gets a lot to do. For the first fifteen minutes of this, I think it's a pretty good ensemble piece where everyone gets something to do with it and mm-hmm. they all work together. And I, I really liked that. I like the CSI approach of like looking over the body and Cisco getting annoyed that no one can figure out what's going on. It felt it felt like the ensemble was kicking again. And I like the the mystery of how the gun works and, like, even if it is kind of a reality-breaking tech that they never want, uh, should have introduced because it introduces too many questions, it's kind of fun and it's kind of, like, neat. And I like looking through the scope and we uh, spying on everybody unethically as she looks around to her <laughs> her training for that thing. It's kind of funny. But the, the Joran thing is probably the bigger problem to me. I don't know if you would agree with it, that, but what do you think of the murder mystery or what, what do you, would you say are, like, the highs and lows of this one?
1: Um I was totally on board for the murder mystery until the clues started coming out. Yeah, yeah. That, uh, then it gets really really dopey. Um but yeah, I I think at the beginning when they first find the body and stuff, I thought yeah, I agree with you. I think the ensemble stuff was good. Um You know, I if I was if I was O'Brien after I came up with that discovery, I think I would pause and go I think I figured out how to beat the board. <laughs> What if we fire a giant weapon that teleports a bomb inside of the Borg queue? And then <laughs> bing, bang, boom, we can all go home for dinner.
0: It's true. I like his um, um his incredible uh laissez-faire attitude towards putting people in a firing range, basically, and then firing. Yes. A- <laughs> yeah. And so.
1: <laughs> <laughs> he shoots a melon. And the, the dialogue he has in that, after he's like, keep backing up. Back up even more. I've only done okay, this once. Okay, back up yeah. there. <laughs> uh, uh, you get out of the way. I've only done this once. And then he comes in and goes, huh, I can't believe that worked.
0: <laughs> and also that seems funny because Odo puts on goggles for some reason, which just yes. makes yeah. make a lot of sense.
1: I also, I did really enjoy when they, uh, um, when they... <laughs> When they had to arrest the gun collector who apparently just uh, uh replicated one of those rifles and then they they go to ask him questions and he runs away like he's a fugitive yeah. and everyone <laughs> almost stabs him in the throat. Um it's some I, I feel like the mechanics of this murder mystery aren't aren't super tight here. No. no. Um The uh I I was shocked again that this is like the thirteenth episode of the season, yes. I think. Yep. So we've got like. We're halfway there. Oh, really? It's that many. 26? Okay. Yeah. Okay. So you've got 13 episodes left in your whole series, and you've, you've, you're have you've you doing another Esri Dax episode.
0: Yeah. Three in it's a row. It's
1: like three in a row, and none of them are particularly good. No. Um, This one, I actually, you know, bef- putting aside the fact that it turns into essentially Silence of the Lambs, but with Esri Dax in it um i kind of was into the idea that she can pull up this guy it's i'm like as i was watching i was going like why she's never they they can't do this right you can't just pull these people up as 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 you want like they've they've never established that they've done
0: it before in an episode called facets which i think you saw which is where odo takes on one of the personalities and he becomes that guy. Do you remember that episode? Is that
1: different from the episode where where everybody takes on a
0: personality? No, that's the, it's the same one. Yeah. Okay, but uh, but I mean, like that was a whole
1: that was a whole big thing that like the trills have to do, right? Sure. Yeah. Whereas, and, and also they, they, they like, were
0: embodied by real people. It wasn't just a memory, right? But, right. Know. Whereas this
1: is just like you know, she calls, she pulls out her old memory cell phone and plugs in some archaic language. And yeah. She does a
0: little trill spell to summon him. Yeah. yeah
1: um like bloody mary in the mirror in the bathroom essentially uh i i was kind of rolling my eyes at that as it was happening but then i was thinking about it and i was like you know if they just if this was just how esri dax was i think i would like it a lot more if because i i was kind of i was into the idea of esri grappling with her memories of previous hosts and the actions they did you know because she's she She's talking about how she knows what it's like to kill somebody, um even though that's not she never killed somebody, but her past host did blah 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 um, and I was thinking if it, if if it was if it was kind of like she was getting these these uh past host characters popping up um from time to time, I think that would be a really interesting manifestation of the trill thing.
0: A hundred percent. I a hundred percent agree. I was thinking they should have... I would retroactively go back and have this be a part of any Trill character, where there are just yeah. other characters sort of walking around them like ghosts that none of the other characters see. You don't do it all the time. Maybe you, you right, keep it to right. when they are having a Trill-focused episode or like during some scene where, where Dax is talking and one of the other characters is sort of sitting behind. It's kind of like the... It's a choir of angels kind of aspect. Sure. and And yeah. I, I like it because... It also gives you a strong motivation or understanding of why you would want to join if you're not the if you're not the Dax symbiote. It's because basically this allows you to kind of live forever. You become yeah, immortal yeah. this way if you become a host and you get to live on in the in the mind of the other thing. But I like the idea that the personality survives and it's not just memories that keep there. Like the person yeah. kind of lives forever in you, and you can talk to them like this way, and you can also view this as more symbolic and that Joran is not really there. She's just strongly reliving the memories of him. Like it's a, right. right. Y- you don't know if he's actually talking to her like this. It's more just like maybe she's being flooded by what it meant to be Joran and you could appreciate it that way. But I think it's a really good idea for how they should approach the trill. Yeah. And I mean, it
1: gives a, at the very least, it puts a much more engaging visual element to the, the idea of the trill that defines it better than just, well, we, they're kind of the same person, but they're kind of not the same person, depending on the scene we have to do. You right? Know, we that if if they if this is just how they were all the time, we probably wouldn't have those conversations every ten episodes about what the hell is a trill. Right.
0: Right. Exactly. Yeah. Like the <laughs> the the Esri personality stays prominent, but she is impacted by the previous hosts that have been there that live with her. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I think that would be pretty cool. It is. I, I think it's good, and I like the as Joran shows here you can have incredibly bizarre previous hosts that she deals with. And, you know, he's a little bit too close to Hannibal Lecter to be any kind of like original (laughs) type idea, but I think you could really flesh things out like that. I I think the weakness of it here, if you don't like the idea, I think it's purely on the fact that Joran here is kind of like, it's kind of silly what he does. Like he's like, pull the trigger. Put, like he, yeah. th- like the way that Ezri approaches his advice just seems very very strange in a lot of ways unless you're just believing that she is like reliving his memories or something but his his whole thing of like pick up the gun find somebody shoot them this is how you figure yes. it out like yeah. it it doesn't feel like it makes a lot of sense
1: yeah yeah it 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 was never loaded <laughs> You would never have killed a person that seems so why also not pull the trigger
0: that seems also bad because the next scene after that he says, "You have all my memories, and it's like, well w- so shouldn't she know what it's like to kill somebody? Why does she have to pull the trigger then if that's the case, so it, yeah. it's a little bit of that internal inconsistency about the trill in general, but I, I like the concept of what they they did with it, yeah yeah, that Vulcan thing though man
1: <laughs> that's that has to be one of the dumbest. Dumbest things I've ever seen in Star Trek.
0: I like the idea of the Vulcan, but the, the not, it's not even the fact that he hates happy people. They have to have a framed picture in, yeah. the, in their room, and then yep. that really it's sets not just,
1: It's not just, you know, everyone who's not a Vulcan is probably really happy. It's like, it, it's like no, these people are just shoving their happiness in my face. <laughs> and, and why? How does he know this? Is he going to these people's rooms?
0: He's looking through the scope. The f- He's looking through the gun scope.
1: So he's just like he's essentially like the 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 uh, uh, the the Texas Clock Tower guy. Yeah, he's just, just sitting there looking around, scoping scoping around Deep Space Nine, teleporting bullet, <laughs> bullets at <into> the people.
0: <laughs> it's just. I think the episode even. I think the episode even tries to and explain then, sorry, why it's a picture. And then
1: when Esri, sorry, and then when Ezri confronts him after she shoots him in the chest. She's like, "Why did you do this?" And he goes, "Cause it was the only logical thing." Yeah, to logic. Do. Logic <laughs>
0: demanded it. Logic demanded it. <laughs> oh boy, <laughs> I. It, it's one of those things, though. Like I could see, I like the idea of a Vulcan going kind of crazy like that. And I sure. guess, I guess, yeah. what Wolf was trying to do. I don't think he does it effectively, but he's saying that. Um, he was trying to make it a, a tie into the war a little bit more like the war is so catastrophic that even the Vulcans are having difficulty dealing with the trauma of the, the stuff that they're going through, which mm-hmm. they kind of do here because the ship blew up because of the Jem'Hadar and everything. But they, they don't, I would have rather they focused on that instead of just making him the killer. It seems like they did him a Vulcan killer just to make it kind of clever or kind of like, oh, that's kind of a wonky idea for a Vulcan to do. But yeah, I, I mean, the the picture is just funny to me because I think they even justify. She's like, the picture locks their happiness in time, taunting him forever. It's like this is fucking yeah. ridiculous. So this is why he's killing these people. Uh, so,
1: so as far as uh, I, I, I would, I, I think we need to look at this analytically for a second. This this mystery and, and ask a question, which is, is it, is it um, fair to have a mystery whodunit such as this, where it is
0: actually impossible for the viewer to solve. Uh, I because feel that's I feel that's every Sherlock Holmes mystery. So yes.
1: Uh, uh, sure. Sh- well, I I don't know. I haven't read Sherlock well enough to really to comment on that. But it 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 feels it feels a little like you're playing a little bit of dirty pool to set up a mystery where there's no possible way the the viewer would ever have solved this this mystery maybe i mean in, term, I, in I terms guess of it's what? Not, in
0: terms of the weapon or in terms of figuring out it's a vulcan that's doing
1: yeah, it yeah there there's nothing that there's nothing that you, that they do in this episode that that uh isn't a manufactured way to create this person like the vulcan doesn't show up at any other point before they spring up the fact that it's a vulcan right uh there's no there's no way you could have uh, organically figured out because there's pictures of happy people in the room that it's a Vulcan who went crazy and started killing people. Right? You know, it's like there's the pieces aren't there for 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 you to for it to uh, make sense organically. So then it becomes just it's it can be anything. It I, it could be literally anything, and there's no there's no like satisfying rational way to 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 tie this story up and and ha- and have you go oh yeah okay. You know, but I don't know. Maybe, maybe it is. Maybe it is valid because the story
0: technically isn't really about the Who Done It. That's the that's kind of a, pr- a problem with it. I think, yeah. though. Yeah, because I I would have been fine with the um with the Who Done It. And
1: why is nobody else on the on Deep Space Nine particularly concerned about this? I
0: know everyone's going. Well, they apparently shut down the. Promenade because Wharf is there in the shadows, but no one's safe in their rooms anyway. So I don't know what people are do. Yeah, doing, everybody's
1: you know? getting shot with teleportation bullets in their rooms. <laughs> so why don't they all just, <laughs> why don't they tell everybody not to go to their room and hang out in the, you know, like, or, or, or something instead of just,
0: I don't know. It's, it's very silly. I would have, um, I'm okay with a mystery that you can't really solve, I think, but you, you need to have, um, like, the supporting structure needs to be interesting enough to watch it. Like, I, I don't mind. I think the pro- the real problem with this is that the clues are so bizarre that you, it distracts yeah. you from everything. Like, you can't enjoy the story because of how goofy all the clues are that they're putting together. Mm-hmm. And I would be fine with the the tech and not knowing that and, like, not realizing it was a Vulcan and everything like that if it had just been more of a more interesting, like, murder mystery going on around it like i feel that they almost reveal the teleporter gun the transporter gun too soon i would have preferred Mm -hmm. a little bit more mystery of like how this is actually going on and stuff like that but coupling it with the joran thing it's another one of those cases of sticking two stories together that i'm like ah, i wish these were separate from each other like there's no reason to really jam these two stories into this the same thing even though because, because I think the weakness of the Joran character is similar to the weakness of the murder mystery, which is that his advice is so silly and strange that it's you feel that the the logic of the narrative doesn't make sense anymore, so it's distracting you from what you you can enjoy from it.
1: Yeah, and it becomes it becomes such a weird. A weird Hannibal Lecter Clarice thing and like trying to bring her to the dark side and the actual mystery just kind of falls by the wayside like she doesn't really do any detective work here not that she really should be because she's a ship's counselor I mean it's she's strange not, it's an Ezri an
0: episode and it was originally designed to be an Odo episode which makes yeah, much it more should, sense it should be an Odo episode yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> but like, you know who we haven't explored enough in these past five episodes it would be Esri and I don't think they even actually give a good reason as to why she is involved in it. I think Cisco has some sort of lip service about, like, have you ever done forensic psychology? And she says, I don't like it. He says, we'll solve I, this murder.
1: I was under the impression that she was so engaged in solving it because she had a passing connection with the guy. I don't know. like, Because that was the other thing that was weird, too. Because they say he was – they after he gets killed – um, it's O'Brien, Bashir, and and Dax sitting at a table, and Dax is like, "Yeah, he's o- he was only here for ten days, yes." Uh, but they're kind of <laughs> talking about him as though he'd been there for like months. Yeah, that's, that's where the other. <laughs> he. No, yeah, he says he says he's he's only been here for 10 days and then later on they say and seven of those he was on the defiant he was on the
0: defiant yeah he was away
1: so in those in those three days that he was on the ship he on the station he
0: talked nonstop about o'brien and bashir yes. apparently <laughs> well he wanted to go do the davy crockett program with them clay he, he was yeah he was interested in that and they said no that's private and she's and she's also she's also talking about like oh when we
1: would have our sessions or something like how many sessions did you have with this guy he was on the, the he was on
0: the thing for three days and yeah. then he got shot yeah <laughs> <laughs> no that's what I mean by um it seems like a a, a rusty script almost you know like I
1: yeah rusty is rusty is the way to put of, it
0: yeah. I, I feel it in the the Wharf and Esri scene. Right where uh, Worf is uh, concerned about Ezri, but he doesn't want to admit that he's been looking for her. Mm-hmm. I really like that scene. I think it's yeah, really it's a good, good. Scene. and it feels to me like it's a writer who came in late and had been watching the show and was like, "I want to have a scene with Worf and Ezri," <laughs> you know, like because yeah. because I don't feel that the show really nailed it, but that that scene is unimportant, but it's also the best scene in the episode, I think, because it it it's. Character-based, as DS9's scenes tend to usually want to be or need to be, and they don't really do anything with it, but it just feels to me like a writer who's been separated from the show coming back and is a little bit rusty with the mechanics of how you're going to write this thing and the the character interactions and stuff like that, but has an idea for something, but is also so disconnected from the universe that he hasn't thought about the downsides of all the ideas that he's putting out there, and so they're strapped for time, and they need an episode, and they wrote it, and this is what came out of it. Yeah, I think it suffers from Dax not
1: actually doing a a ton of, like, uh, investigating. You know, she's not, like, shaking everybody down. Like, the the influence of, of, uh, you know, Hannibal, what's his face there? What's his name? Joran. Joran? Yeah. Like, Joran Pyrk now? Uh, <laughs> I don't get the das reference. Jurgen Pruk now. There we go. That's the guy from Task Boot. Um J O R A N. Yeah. Uh It's not like her slowly getting crazier and crazier as she's, you know, trying to
0: absorb people him, yeah, down. Yeah.
1: yeah, it's just like she has that one outburst on that guy and then she kind of figures out the picture thing. And it's a lot of her like walking around in her room and staring into her mirror. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, it, uh, because all things come back to Buffy, this actually reminded me of, an, of a, a fairly good episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, where Buffy gets uh, – she fights some demon, and when she get, she kills the demon, she gets, like, his blood all over him, and for some reason that gives her the ability to read people's minds mm-hmm. briefly, and uh, which is played for laughs at the beginning of the episode, and then when she goes back to school – it gets really serious because she gets overwhelmed by all the voices and stuff. And then eventually a voice stands out saying in, you know, in two days, all of you are, all of you are dead. Yeah. And so she, then the ep- episode is her having to figure out among the people in, in, in the, in the class, who is this person who is going to carry out some sort of mass shooter thing or whatever. And, uh, uh, she eventually finds a, a kid up in the, uh, you know one of the towers of the school loading a rifle and uh she kind of like slaps him around a bit and he's like no what are you doing and she's like i'm gonna stop you from killing everybody he's like no i wasn't gonna kill i was gonna kill myself Mm -hmm. and so and then that actually turns out so it's very it's a very touching very poignant kind of thing about you know suicide and bullying and stuff like that but then they they give you a tag at the end where it turns out that it was actually the lunch lady who was pouring rat poison into all the food who was going to kill everybody. <laughs> but they catch um, her or
0: something somehow.
1: Yeah, they catch her. Xander just walks in like to get an ice cream sandwich and catches her pouring a giant box of rat poison <laughs> into the food. Uh, but it's it, it's like it reminded me of that in, in that, you know, uh, Buffy is – Racing against time to find this person who's going to c- commit a murder and t- being driven slightly insane by this new power that she has, and I, 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 I kind of felt a parallel with this, and I feel like that episode does a lot more than this one does, which is just sort of like, just gets really silly and doesn't commit to like the story that they're trying to tell. Yeah. You know, yeah. Well, I mean, because it it doesn't. Like, does it, I was just sorry. I was just going to say, does it? Does there have to be like multiple murders does it have to be like a serial killer couldn't have just been like oh i feel like one murder on the on the station is enough
0: one would be enough yeah i think that well what i guess they have to draw the connection that it's the framed pictures like honestly i mean
1: yes in in the way that it plays out yes it has to be more than one murder
0: yes Uh, but i guess that the if I guess you need the continuing... The the serial killer nature of it gives you a continuing threat. If no one continues to die, then you're kind of like, well, okay, cool. Sure, The person who dies has to be important at that point because you need some reason to continue to investigate his his disaster. I think that the... Well, I, I think, as you were saying, it doesn't commit to the story. I think if you start this... I can see why starting this off as an Odo episode is tough, right? Because after you do the setup... I don't know where you go with that as an Odo story because it's like, okay, like Odo would just have to do some detective work and figure it out. But that doesn't feel like it's enough. So they add this Ezri thing into it with Joran. But at the the same time, I don't feel that they really have enough time or wherewithal to commit to the Joran thing about whether Dax is being sort of driven insane by him. So mm. it comes across as neither storyline really feels like it settles into anything. And that's why I was that's why I'm saying that the combining of those two stories isn't really effective. Like, I feel like you need a full episode to focus on either one of them.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Do you do you feel like they were trying to get across the idea that it might have been Dax who was killing these people?
0: Uh, no, I, n- I never got that impression. Do you no, feel there's a scene that kind of hints at that?
1: I well, she has that dream. Where uh with the um I forget exactly what happens, but it, she she finds the, the the guy who was killed at first and he's like, oh, I'm dead. No, oh, right. Odo's walking
0: happens. him down the uh down the hall. Yeah. yeah.
1: But I felt like they were doing a weird thing. They were getting close to doing that kind of thing where she would go to sleep and then she'd have a weird dream and then she'd wake up and someone else had been murdered. Right. And they were trying to imply that maybe Dax was behind it. Uh, But they didn't commit to doing that, so I couldn't tell if they were doing it on purpose or if that was just me reading into it, because that seems like the thing they always do in these shows.
0: Well, that's the—if you were doing a Joran-only story, that's the mystery, I think. Like, you would start that episode off by Dax is doing that sort of facets, the episode thing, where she summons Joran and talks to him for a little bit as she's trying to figure Mm -hmm. out what Dax's personalities are. And then Mm -hmm. when he goes away, she starts having those waking up and someone is dead at that point, and she's wondering if Joran is still, like, in her uh, like, sort of her mind, basically. Yeah.
1: yeah, like you start the episode with her pulling up Joran to talk to him because she needs to reconcile this murdering past self that she has. Right. You know, yep. explain it away with like three lines of dialogue. Yes. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. and then she thinks he's gone, but then he's not gone, and people start dying, and then she's like,
0: oh shit, am I the one who's killing them? And he's like... <laughs> <laughs> i'm having an old friend for dinner um yeah no I, I agree i the one thing i will say is that this episode actually made me reconsider my rating for the mirror universe episode that we just watched which, which i think is which i think is truly a one i think the mirror universe to me now um but we'll get mm-hmm. to that one we'll, we'll do final thoughts now so we'll take a break play an audio clip we'll come back read some patron thoughts and give our final thoughts about field of fire go ahead finish what you started
1: Tell me, why did you do it?
0: Because logic demanded it. What are you waiting for? He deserves to die. You know that. Follow your instincts.
1: Dax to infirmary. I need an emergency medical team. Habitat ring D12. On our way.
0: All right, everybody, thank you very much for listening. If you enjoyed the content today, you can go to patreon.com slash the file and support the show there. A couple dollars a month gets you extra stuff, extra podcasts, extra videos, extra blah, 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 a lot of good stuff. And otherwise, if you're a Captain Tier supporter get a shout out at this point so special thanks go to andrew churlock ben douglas captain Quark, cardinal doomsday christian michaels christian pouch darth mosk david Beardmore, david k dwayne hackett eric johnson hh28 icy unicorns yarpy joint mango jordan cooper kevin reyes calbert matt courier six matt cutler matt ross mike burnett nathan elliott neil brennan nick sergi robert cummins russell Eld, samuel Custer, Grim santos sean spinobi tark latif tom hiles vault 13 hero and will yates thank you very much there's so many of you now it's much appreciated we passed 100 <laughs> patrons clay we're we're doing it. We're making a accomplishments. Onward, onward and upwards towards Voyager full review. That's, <laughs> that's right. There's still a long way to go, but we're getting closer than that. So let's go to patron thoughts. If you guys are patrons, you can leave your thoughts about upcoming episodes and we'll read them. Before, before we get into that, I do have a question. Mm-hmm. The Davy Crockett thing.
1: Is, is all of this Davy Crockett stuff foreshadowing for an Alamo type situation coming <laughs> in the, the end of the, the last run of the episode? Um, is that, is that is that is it all foreshadowing for like the Dominion are going to be backing them into a a corner at the at
0: Deep Space 9 and, with, and they have to figure it out how to get out or they all die. With the skin cap. Um I won't say anything. We'll leave we'll leave that to see. Uh we'll we'll I'd see. Call if, that we'll, a see big yes. we'll see we'll see if you remember and we'll we'll move forward. That I just honest honestly the 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 scene here like the the metaphor or the symbolism of the relationship between those two at this point is just like I don't know. It's just that that opening scene is just so strange. It's like, no, no one can play Davy Crockett except for us. No one else can play Davy Crockett. It's, it's just,
1: just us. It's come up so many times in the last few episodes. It it feels like it has to be foreshadowing for something. I'm hoping I'm hoping that it means that holodeck Davy Crockett takes <laughs> command of the station.
0: <laughs> it's just Vic wearing a coonskin cap and having a, a. that right. was my next question. Yeah. If it was going to be Vic Fontaine. <laughs> Point X to G says I really like the investigative side of this one. Odo and Ezri are a good pairing. I don't know if the Vulcan going crazy because people have emotions really works for me, but at least they tried something different. We have another piece of technology to never be heard of again, but really attaching a transporter to an old fashioned firearm is kind of an ingenious idea. Norman Buckwald says whoever I wish they had used like knives or something the teleporting knives
1: yeah like a teleporting knife (laughs) so you just throw the knife anywhere and it just shows up and sticks someone in the chest that would be
0: great i guess you could personally just jump into the teleporter and fall onto somebody with the knife in your hand i guess yeah open like
1: a rick and morty type portal and just stab them real quick (laughs) (laughs) o'brien testing it
0: out field of fire from norman buckwald whoever wrote this episode obviously did not watch equilibrium okay equilibrium was boring and hard to watch but you know what i mean Jorn was a not uh, Jorn was not a cool calculating serial killer. Jorn had mental health this issues. This also doesn't have a gun kata in it. Thank you very much. No, it doesn't. Which is the defining trait. Jorn had mental health issues and turned violent from it. This is yet another retcon. As interesting as it would be to have Ezri deal with her other Daxes, and Jorn is an interesting one, as he was deliberately suppressed and almost killed Jedzia because of that suppression. Somehow, Cisco's Jorn was much, much more interesting than what we have here. Maybe it's because in the context of a murder, it's in the context of a murder mystery. But this is the weakest Ezri episode, and if I can be so bold, the second weakest Dax episode after Meridian. One and a half out of five. Clay, don't worry. The seventh season is about to get better. Let's see here. It's not more the first to say. time I've heard that. <laughs> I have more to say. I the final. Th- remember final thoughts about the, the the strength of the DAX episode. Captain Quark says, "I like the mystery that the episode presented and the method by which the Vulcan committed the murders. Yet it seems like the writers started with these concepts and couldn't really think of a compelling investigation. There's a lot of wheel spinning until Ezri just stumbles into the identity based on Jorn's hunch in a random turbo lift encounter, rather than using ev- any evidence to point her to that conclusion." It was difficult for me to watch the episode without pondering about how nonsensical Jordan's presence was. How is he wandering around the room, examining things and making observations disconnected from Esri's body? Is he a part of her consciousness or just a ghost?
1: That I actually forgot that was how they, they finger the guy is there in the elevator. And then she's like, this guy
0: seems weird. <laughs> yeah, he goes up and stares at him. He's like, I, I see it in his eyes. I see that he's a killer. That's,
1: yeah, I... I feel like I've been watching too much Big Mouth because in my head I'm thinking of Joran as basically the hormone monster from Big Mouth. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I think it's this guy. This Step guy. with your dick.
0: Matthew Ross says, although I like the murder mystery of the episode, it raises the same issues as the of the entire troll race. It also feels like an episode of the episode facets here. The ceremony to access access. Excuse me. Past memory seems like folders on a PC to be accessed. You said excess so many times that I've lost all meaning. Are The memories are actually living pieces of the person in question. The opening, I felt, was so cliché that Ilario could have been called Ensign Dead Guy MacGuffin without anyone noticing. That aside, the killer consciousness was an interesting dark view of Joran as a murder host. He only needed to say, do you hear the lambs, Clarice? The rifle was a nice weapon to look at, and I liked that it was ballistic. The addition of the microtransporter should be standard on other weapons, and it makes you wonder what twisted stuff could be made to happen in Star Trek. I'm surprised Dodo wasn't mucking about with Esri more, or even contacted at the ultimate scene. Overall, I know that they're trying to give Esri some weight, and it was here—if she was here in season four or five—this wouldn't be, would have been a great way to add to the character. But it feels like it's jammed into the end. Weird that Esri can't tell when she is dreaming ever, and that she has the slightest interest in Quark. Nikko's identity was refreshing to me, and that it was a damaged Vulcan, and that happiness was his trigger. Ending is just the title seemed like a bit of an escape, in the writer, since this is a little issue, never rears its head again. The ending, at just the titles. I can't get that. It must be an autocorrect. But I think she should have had a slight dress down for accessing the killer from Cisco. Regardless, a good, not great episode for this character.
1: I uh I did like the gun. I thought it was pretty good. It looked a lot better than the phaser rifle, that's for sure.
0: Yeah, they put a little bit of effort. It's all about that eye patch that you have to wear. I like the effect of yeah. looking through the scope, actually. I thought it was pretty cool. I think cool. I
1: had that eye thing as like a toy for another
0: <laughs> like uh,
1: Nerf gun or something. I I like I looking- actually I had this um, I had this awesome Nerf gun when I was a kid that had uh the barrel uh was on like a pivot and the idea was that and it had a mirror on top of like the uh the stock of the gun mm-hmm. so the idea was you could hold the gun up hide behind a wall hold the gun up and then twist the barrel so it would hook around the corner of the thing oh, sure. of, the, of the wall and then you could look at the mirror in the stock to see who was on the other side of the thing to shoot them from around a corner so it's pretty <laughs> it's basically basically the same weapon
0: i like um i like the scope effect in it uh it's pretty neat i think it's kind of cool the the zooming effect that they were doing and i i even kind of like the um the two of them looking at each other before one of them shoots the other at the end yeah
1: it reminded me of like uh saving private ryan or something when the the sniper is in the sniper battle Mm -hmm. and you know you you see the the two guys with looking into the scopes and then they they Clock each other right at the same time, right. but then one of them yep. gets the shot
0: off before the other one. Yeah. 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 No, it's, it's, it's kind of a, it's almost, um, that stuff reminded me. It almost felt like Hitchcockian. I'm not going to say that it's the yeah. level of Hitchcock, but it felt, yeah. it felt very much that way. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that definitely. Uh, Zam Nuclear Wessel says, Silence of the Trill. I enjoy the psychological stuff on a trash suspense level, but like all murder episodes, it makes one wonder how anyone survives in a universe where mass killing is so easy to accomplish. <laughs> it's the other, um, The other thing about murder mysteries is why Ron Moore, I think, has said that they never wanted to really do them or why they're hard is that, don't you feel like in this universe you just go, "Uh, computer, next time you sense anyone picking up one of these kinds of guns, zap them and let us know and we'll come in and and get them. (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, let's not...
1: Let's not pretend like every one of the rooms on that station doesn't have a camera in it. Right.
0: Or, you yeah, know, yeah, the computer. So if there's not a camera, the computer is at least active and listening. It's like Alexa yeah. version, uh, three thousand and one or something like that. Yeah.
1: Like there, there's of all the other crap that they've, they've, they've ginned up to have the, com- to have the, uh, uh, computer. Cause I don't want to set my thing up. <laughs> to have the computer. Called do. Alexa. Yeah. We'll just flip uh, it yeah, around. To have, to have the ships Alexa do, uh, like in in another episode, I could absolutely absolutely see them uh, saying like, "Oh well, you know, we got the the report back from Alexa that there was a a second, there the the temperature in the room." Uh, was of that of two people who were in the room at the same, you know, like some bullshit like that, where it's like, oh, well, we have the uh, particles were displaced in such a way that it was recorded, and we have an actually very good picture of the guy's face. (laughs) The
0: the computer heard a gunshot go off in this room uh, mysteriously, but yeah, yeah, who knows? Yeah, that's the other thing, too.
1: There was no silencer on this gun, (laughs) so (laughs) there was was a guy in his room just firing off guns, (laughs) rifles.
0: He's he's got a... uh, He's got a roommate who comes out. He's like, what the fuck? Like, did you hear that? Like, it's just him standing there with his gun. How many times are we going to hear this noise? What is that? I was just practicing the drums. Clean, I, was, <laughs> I was cleaning this rifle. Uh, Russell Allen <laughs> Russell says, I remember not liking this one when I first saw it years ago, but never went back and watched it again. This time I went back to it with an open mind, and it was okay, I guess. I didn't hate it, and they did deal with some interesting ideas, particularly how Vulcans can snap. But I just kept thinking that we're halfway into the last season. There's a lot to do, yet this doesn't seem necessary. Plus, I don't quite understand the mechanics of separating the past hosts like they do. Since they established that Joran is not really there and just in Ezri's head, how in the world was he able to look over that Vulcan while in the elevator? Ezri wasn't looking at him. Maybe I'm nitpicking, but that stuck out to me. Otherwise, it was fine. I did like how they talked about the projectile-based guns, and no one really knew what those were. At least we know that Picard knows how to use one. <laughs> the bigger the bigger issue I had for the uh, Joran looking at something is Joran is the one who notices the picture and Esri is not yeah. looking at him whatsoever when he says it. So that that's the the bigger issue I think. Yeah, it's it's not as it's not
1: as uh, uh, deftly handled as they do in like Fight Club or something where you can go, oh, yeah, right, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah,
0: that's why he's looking at it. Join Mango says, "Field of Fire, a great episode for background noise while doing work." That's a repeat of his previous comment for Emperor's New Cloak as well. (laughs) Neil Brennan says, feel the fire. That's what the victims have in common. Pictures of laughing faces. Oh, give me a break. There's a nice episode idea in investigating the murder of an apparently whiter than white junior officer uncovering some dark secrets. And this is not that episode.
1: I was kind of expecting it to be Judge Doom from Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Mm, because I Sure. He
0: really hates laughing. (laughs) It's... Uh, when he murders that shoe is the saddest thing, I think, in cinematic yeah. history. Oh, I know. That, like, scarred me. Yeah, it's really really dark. Oh, my God, it's brutal. Matt Adley says, Great to see the Wharf dax relationship evolving here. Why does Verad Dax from Invasive Procedures always get left out? Jordan calls himself the outcast among the Dax hosts, but it's really Verad. He doesn't get a cameo in facets with the rest of them, and nobody mentions him here as another one of Dax's hosts that's killed people. Why does O'Brien tell to
1: see him in season three of Discovery. <laughs> that's
0: true, yeah. Why does O'Brien tell Odo to put goggles on? And why does Odo do it? They both know that those aren't real eyes, right? <laughs> Next one is... Sorry, i got to hit the button to find it. Where the hell did it go? Uh-oh. oh, one second. There it is. Tom Hiles says, A decent Esri episode, but a poorly played out murder mystery. Joran and Chulak, I think that's the Vulcan, were paper thin and their respective motivations were far from compelling. The techno babble, trill babble frames were great concepts, but the proceedings could easily have been more satisfying with a more believable and better drawn killer. A supposedly unemotional Vulcan turned psychotic because of trauma? Nah next comment Kyle Barrett says surely the writers must know what they're doing with Bashir and O'Brien after them running off to the holodeck together in the teaser the jokes just write themselves (laughs) and we, we, we put our effort in I would say Kyle after a couple of episodes flirting with the idea it's nice to get a Dax episode actually focusing on Dax it's just a shame that it's more about Joran than Ezri, but I like Ezri a lot here and overall I enjoy the episode. The troll science is total hokum and the plot is so silly and schlocky that I can't help but have fun with it. Is it rubbish? Yes. Is it entertaining to watch? To me, absolutely. And to add this episode and add this episode to the long list of examples of why they really need security cameras on the station.
1: Yeah. The lack of cameras in general in Star Trek is strange, very interesting to me. Yeah. yeah. Like even the pa- I feel like uh- They've they really ended up they 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 use photographs in Deep Space Nine more than they've used them in any other Star Trek show. Yeah, that's a, it a
0: pinnacle is this episode yeah, obviously,
1: and it feels like they are always lazy plot devices. Yeah, and uh, and it it doesn't uh, it doesn't. I still maintain that there don't seem to be any cameras or photographs in the Star Trek universe because th- these ones are just. They're just they the, don't
0: the pictures are all also like professional photographer family pose portraits like there's nothing yeah, they look like they came with the frame <laughs> it's, just, it's just people sitting in there like smiling at the camera Samuel s says oh so
1: I forgot to mention uh they t- the blue guy I can't remember what the blue guy's race
0: is oh the um, Bolians, I think right
1: yeah do they do they say that he has a a wife and kids but then he also has like a male hus- like co-husband?
0: did they say that i don't remember that at all
1: i think they say something about he 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 he, uh it's a picture of his wife and kids we tried to get in touch with his wife and his co-husband or something (laughs) there's some some weird like uh you know non-binary sexual
0: thing going on that was kind of interesting yeah just like a kind of throwaway line about like where his other family members would be no I, i don't remember that that's interesting though not a good hour of television uh this is samuel s i don't i really don't understand why this isn't an odo episode This does not feel like a Dax story, and her involvement in the mystery is somewhat unclear, as she is a station counselor turned private eye, I guess. Her inner conflict with Joran feels artificial and forced by the writers, as there's no reason for her to be trying to solve the case and for him to be helping her. To top it off, the Vulcan's motive for killing innocent people is laughable. One out of five. We have two more. Yarpy says, They are clearly pretty desperate to get Ezri Dax working and write stuff for her, but it seems like they were pretty burned out by this point of the show, and they're just waiting to write the season-ending story arc. I agree with Wes. They should have just written Dax out after the first batch of episodes in the season instead of trying to continue keeping the character going. Mad Courier with the final comment. Is this the beginning of the is the beginning of this episode an acknowledgement by the writers of the special Julian and O'Brien relationship? Because if not, then it's one hell of a coincidence. Anyway, what appears to me <laughs> middling silence of the lamb slash detective story slowly starts to unravel the more you look into it and question it. What does this story have to do with the larger picture of DS9? Why doesn't anyone in this universe use ballistic weapons when they have several advantages over phasers? Why don't the bullets' momentum seem to carry over in the transporter when it's never done so in the past? Or why does the bullets' momentum seem to carry over? Why does the microtransporter technology never get used more if it's this powerful? Why is the Vulcan's motive so stupid, etc., etc.? As an insult to well-thought-out, enjoyable stories, this episode deserves a 1 out of 5. Thank you very much, patrons. That did remind me of... uh uh the The Simpsons episode where they're doing
1: um it's like the three hundred and sixtieth episode spectacular or something like that, and they they have all these questions that are written in, and one of the questions is uh uh its is a very vague question about uh Smithers that sounds like it's going to be about his sexuality, yeah, but then Troy McClure answers go answers the question by going yes, you're right, Smithers is mr Burns's assistant <laughs> <laughs>
0: Thank you, Patrons, for writing in, leaving your comments. There were a lot of comments on that one, which is interesting. Field of Fire, a lot of low grades on it. Clay, what do you think? I don't... Uh, Norman mentioned this is the, the worst Dax episode. I think this is the best Ezri episode so far. Um, like, it's really... A, it's <laughs> it's a really weird thing to say. <laughs> it's a really tough episode. I I won't say I was... I was not bored in the way that Prodigal Daughter and the Mirror Universe episode sure. left me. Yeah, like, uh, I
1: would say... This is much better than Prodigal Daughter. Yes, I, I would agree. I,
0: I think yes. it's better than the Mirror Universe episode. I mean, I'm still... I'm going to give this a two out of five, I think, because it's hugely problematic. But it do, it's, I think it's just better. I'm going to retroactively turn my Mirror Universe down to a one and make this one a two, I think.
1: Yeah, I, uh, I would give this one a five just <laughs> because... <laughs> I think you do need to watch it because it's amazing that this late in the series they do something as friggin' wacky as this. Yeah, that yeah. isn't supposed to be wacky. It's just whatever. It's whatever it is. It's it. It, it must be seen. I think. Yeah. Uh, but for a serious rating, yeah, I would say a two. Like I don't think it's a one. Because uh, Prodigal Daughter is definitely a one. Yeah. Um, There's stuff to this, this one. one is,
0: There's interesting components yeah. to this one. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and I mean, there's interesting components, and there's just stuff that's flat-out ridiculous and hilarious, (laughs) and that is is worth something, (laughs) because, again, we're in the seventh season, so even the episodes that are ridiculous are still pretty competently put together. Yeah. Yeah. Um, as opposed to something like
0: Prodigal Daughter where you're just scratching your head the whole time. Yeah. 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 I'm gonna I'm gonna give this one a two. I i definitely don't think it's uh the worst of the Ezri stories. I like the the Dax personality trait, actually. I don't think that they they don't execute it well, just like they don't execute the murder mystery here, but I think both of them had a concept behind it that is at least more interesting than let's go to the mirror universe with the Ferengi and let's meet Ezri's parents who are minors. Both of those are pretty bad. <laughs> I think that's it. Guys, thank you very much for listening. Thank you for supporting the show. All the social media links are down below. You can click the little link and it'll take you to them. Patreon.com slash the uh, Penske Vial if you want to support the show. A couple dollars a month. Much appreciated. And I think that's pretty much it. We're continuing with DS9. Badass is on its season break. A Q&A episode will come out for that. Real Ripe continues. We're going to have Scream next week on Tuesday, so you can look forward to that. I think that's Pretty much it. We're all, we're heading through DS9. We're halfway there. We only have three more episodes until the final arc starts. Uh, so Yeah, so we get your wallets out, everybody. That's right. Yeah, we'll have to see. I think we're going to finish DS9 with like two weeks before Picard starts if we stick to the schedule. So it's a little bit of a break. We'll figure something out. But that'll be the, uh, the way that it goes, I think. Clay, do you have anything you want to say before we sign off? Uh,
1: also, in the new year, um, if you've been listening to the last few Real Ripe and Real Rottens, uh, our friend Amanda has been co-hosting it with us uh and she and I will be continuing to cover horror movies on our own show called the Rotten Horror Picture Show uh which is a name I came up with and <laughs> definitely own all,
0: all right, rights uh, to that one absolutely uh
1: so yeah it's going to be we're going to be covering movies off of the uh of the 200 highest rated um rock, uh, horror movies on Rotten Tomatoes, there's a list that that's out there. It's a pretty good list. Uh, it's really interesting because it's uh, it's adjusted. Like the uh, the the ratings are adjusted. I don't know how that works. So like there are some movies that are higher up on the list, but are actually have lower tomato ratings, but yeah. they're adjusted. Uh, rating is higher. Yeah, I don't,
0: I don't, I don't know, know what they're works. adjusting against unless it's like number of reviews or something like that, but yeah. I'm not sure. Yeah.
1: Yeah, but it's a it's a good list. It's full of stuff that I've seen and would like to talk about, stuff I haven't seen uh and I would like to see and uh um yeah, some some really interesting things. So, if you like horror movies and you like uh listening to me yammer on about them, I guess you have that to look forward to.
0: It's no field of fire, I guess would be the thing. That's to what say. we call a sales pitch. People. <laughs> next episode coming up is uh chimera is that is chimera how do you pronounce that C H I I I always thought it was chimera chimera okay we'll go with chimera i'll look it up and i'll learn to pronounce it uh, the right way because i'm pretty sure i was saying joran's name wrong it might be joran or something like that but whatever all you people want to correct me go fuck yourselves we're out of here it's we're actually d- jared does- Jared Fogle. Jared Fogle is a previous host. Oh, that's actually darker than what Joran did, I think. Yeah, that's a lot darker. <laughs> <laughs> Let's call I it know,
1: a dick. Is, is there a trill out there who who's like whose previous hosts are like Jared Fogle... Uh, uh, <laughs> What's his name? Uh, Gary Glitter. <laughs> Gary Glitter. And, uh, what's his name? Saville. From, uh, the English people know that. What's his name?
0: <laughs> oh, the, what um, the fuck is that guy's name? I, I forget his name, too. What's the, uh, who's the other crazy producer who like held guns at people? Uh, oh. Wall of Sound.
1: Christ. Yeah. Uh, Spencer?
0: Phil Spencer. S- uh, Specter. Phil Specter. Phil Specter. That's right. Yeah. Get them all mixed in there. Guys, thank you very much for listening. Hope you enjoyed the Jimmy content. Jimmy Saville. Jimmy's. that's, uh, that's right yeah was he, he was a yeah. comedian or something wasn't he he was a television host television host he there was like essentially if dick clark turned out to be one of the worst pedophiles in right history. <laughs> yes yeah it's not funny <laughs> <laughs> guys thank you very much for listening we'll see you next time